We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman. And of course, joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We recorded this episode on Tuesday, April 19th. We are just over a week away from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. We are hitting that final stretch, Yusei. But before we get into the meat of today's podcast, which is continuing our uh, positional previews for the draft, focusing on linebackers today. How are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. You know, we got about seven, eight days till the 2022 NFL draft kicks off. I think it's going to be such an exciting time. I mean, it really feels like it's time for the NFL draft when we start doing, you know, two to three shows a week sometimes. You're at picks for polls and bear report. But then also just I think that, you know, the Bears were back at Hallis Hall today. We had as of Tuesday. So we had an opportunity to listen to Travis Gibson, Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields, too. So a lot of moving pieces, a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, some people that I've talked to are, quote unquote, tired of the NFL draft, just wanted to be here. But I know for me, and you were excited because there's so much to talk about. Yeah, I, I cannot wait for the draft to start. Um, I, I don't think you can have enough draft content, especially at this time of the year. But, you know, it kind of feels like the calm before the storm, so to speak, where it, it's a little bit quiet here uh, in the NFL world as we kind of await what's going to go down uh, on next weekend uh, for the NFL draft. But um, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, while it's a little bit calm in the NFL front, obviously teams are starting to get back into uh, voluntary programs right now working out together and things of that nature you know our content is ramping up as well like you said we're gonna be having you know a bunch of episodes coming out over the next week or so just to uh get all these positional previews out there we got a mock draft coming up so a ton of exciting stuff coming up for uh this podcast here and then not even talking about the actual draft weekend itself so just really excited and looking forward to it but you know what's another thing I'm looking forward to you saying breaking down these linebackers today for this episode. And before we get into this draft class here of linebackers, first, I think it's important we go over uh, some of the changes at the linebacker position for the Chicago Bears over this offseason. So, you know, not a ton has changed for the Bears uh, during this offseason. We look at the major pieces here. Obviously, Roquan Smith is still around here as that. I wouldn't say blue chip player for this defense, but certainly the key player um, in this linebacker unit here as the leader of this defense. Obviously, the Bears, they cut uh, Dane Trevathan over the offseason as a June 1st cut. It's likely that Dane Trevathan, his career might be over just with the injuries that have kind of plagued him over the past couple of years. He just doesn't look like the same player. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. But Bears need another linebacker here. Uh, Alec Ogletree, they decide to let him leave in free agency, not bring him back. And obviously with the new scheme uh, with Matt Eberflus bringing in here, um, certainly a lot of changes to what he's looking for 
in an inside linebacker, off-ball linebacker, however you want to put it here. So you have Roquan Smith here. The Bears, they end up making their first big move at that position, bringing in Nicholas Murrow for, from the Las Vegas Raiders, a very talented, uh, young, athletic coverage backer for the Raiders, kind of did everything for them. Um, he's expected to have a breakout year this past year, um, but just, you know, injuries ended up derailing his season. But, you know, the Bears are taking a low-risk, high-reward type of one-year deal there. And then other than that, you know, even Flues bringing in his guy, Matthew Adams, to play special teams for him from the Indianapolis Colts. A couple of other small sides like Noah Dawkins, Joe Thomas, just some guys you know, the, some depth guys to compete in a roster spot and maybe earn some special teams play over the offseason. Overall, I mean, you look at the, the additions here, it's certainly interesting. The Bears have been pretty light on addressing the unit, especially given how important it is in Matt Eberflus's defense. You know, what are your thoughts on the moves so far that the Bears have made? And, you know, when looking at this draft class, what do you think are some of the things that the Bears are looking for in a linebacker for this scheme? Not that they have the they're going from a 3-4 base scheme to a 4-3 base defense um, where there are some Tampa 2, you know, cover four principles to it. Yeah, you know, offseason moves, I feel like this turnover at the linebacker's position, you know, we kind of expected. And I think really it goes back to late in training camp last season when kind of – or last offseason, I should say, the Bears added Alec Ogletree, I want to say, in the first or second week of camp. And essentially kind of what happened is Alec Ogletree burst onto the scene and everyone was – and I know that you and I were there one of the days that Alec Ogletree had such a big practice. But, you know, the Bears added Alec Ogletree that late last season when it kind of became apparent that Danny Trevathan wasn't going to be fully healthy. And regarding Danny Trevathan, I mean, it was one of the worst re-signings of the Ryan Pace era because Trevathan only played two full seasons. And going into 2020 free agency, I mean, it was either Nick Wachowski or Danny Trevathan. And Pace went ahead and chose Danny Trevathan instead just because of the experience. But, um, you know, I think what has to happen is this, is that when you're switching from a 3-4 to a 4-3, you're going to have a Will Sam and Mike linebacker. You know, I want to say one of the big issues that I have with the Bears right now is that they don't have a Mike linebacker who's necessarily one of the biggest guys on the field. I mean, I remember watching Brian Urlach all those years. He was, you know, whatever six foot four six foot five and just such a smart instinctive player now i'm not saying the bears are going to have a hall of fame caliber player at the position going into 2022 but certainly i think there is some kind of shuffling that needs to be done i don't think the sandbacker is going to play that big of a role in this defense because i think it's primarily going to be the will and the mic the will i expect to be roquan smith playing in you know, what a lot of fans may remember as the Lance Briggs type role. Now, what I want to say this about Nick Morrow is that just getting a chance to watch him when he was with the Raiders, you know, you watch a handful of Raiders games every year, but then getting a chance to watch him more extensively on tape over the last couple of weeks, I think that he's an ideal fit for the Mike linebacker in this scheme because he is a former college safety. So he understands the ins and outs of coverages. He understands certainly how to go about being an incredibly smart and rangy player. He understands how to diagnose and really go ahead and break down plays. So Nick Morrow, while he's coming off a lower body injury, I believe it was the knee injury that he had, I think is going to be a really low risk, high reward type signing. And I think if it pays off, then he's going to be on top of Ryan Pohl's list next off season to sign to a multi-year deal. Yeah, I'm very excited about what Nicholas Morrow can bring to the defense. I think he can be um, a very under-the-radar add to this unit. Uh, I, I was really impressed with a couple of games that I saw of him, especially in coverage. Um, and I think he fits what Eberflus is looking for and his linebackers here. Look at what they had in Indianapolis with the Colts. You know, he really liked linebackers that were athletic, could move side-to-side side in coverage. Um, can drop back in coverage, match up against tight ends, even match up against slot receivers at times in zones and guys that are going to rally to the football and can make plays on the football. And Nicholas Morrow, he's got the length that Iberfus is looking for in his defensive players um, to get into passing windows. He's got good instincts um, in, in coverage. So there's a lot to like here with that addition here. And it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, they're not obviously going to make many other significant moves before the draft here, but I think that's a good way to segue into the draft class here because 
You know, it's possible the Bears could be looking to add even more talent to the linebacker group in this upcoming draft just because, you know, Iberflus may want to put his stamp on his defense here and continue to add some young talent um, to really reshuffle this unit and really remake it into his own vision here. You know, because obviously Morrow is only on a one-year deal. He's probably not considered a long-term piece. You know, Rokon Smith's going into the last year of his – I mean, I would hope that Morrow uh, proves himself to be a long-term piece. But, again, he's only on a one-year deal. So I'm not going to make any promises there that he's going to be a long-term piece. But Rokon Smith, you assume he's a long-term piece – He's in the last year of his contract. So, you know, are the Bears going to be willing to pay him huge money, top of the market type of money that he's probably going to demand? Um, it makes things interesting in terms of this draft here because there is this is a pretty talented uh, linebacker class. I think it's a very deep linebacker class. Before we get into our top five, you hear you say, you know, what are your thoughts on this class as a whole? And I'll let you get started then with uh, your top five guys as we get the ball rolling here on this draft class of linebackers. Yeah, I really like the class as a whole. You know, I just think that across the board, you're right, is that there is a lot of talent to really look at and say, hey, maybe in some years this would have been a player that would have been higher upon all the draft boards simply because this player was somebody that could go ahead and really be an impact day one starter. Some of those guys have to slip. Just because, again, you know, what you're seeing is that there's a lot of upperclassmen in this draft class. You know, you look at specific to the linebacker position. I mean, some of the top names include Devin Lloyd, N'Kobe Dean, depending on who you talk to. Alabama's very own Christian Harris. She's got a couple of juniors and seniors. You know, I know Leo Chanel from Wisconsin's a red shirt sophomore. So the point is, is that there's a lot of really good talent here. And, you know, this linebacker class specifically is a lot of juniors and seniors. I, I think one thing that makes such a big difference at the linebacker position is just how much experience you've had in college. You know, the best over the last few years that have been drafted dating back to like 2016, 17, 18 have significantly played at least two to three seasons. And, you know, you really see that experience and that success translate over. And I think linebackers now are also a different breed because they're coming into the league more NFL ready and ready to make an impact from day one compared to years ago when it was kind of, all right, let's just go ahead and get your feet wet. I mean, we've seen players like a Tremaine Edmonds, Darius Leonard, Roquan Smith, even Devin Lloyd. You could also throw in there Devin Bush that have um, come in and just had a major impact from day one for their respective franchises. But getting into my top five here, you know, number one, I have, I think the consensus number one linebacker on a lot of people's boards, which is Jacoby Dean, you know, he's one of the faces of the Georgia Bulldogs defense that just won the championship. And, you know, when you look at Nicobe Dean overall, I, I think he was the Butkus award winner as the country's best linebacker, but you also look at him. I mean, you're seeing a player that I think is an ideal fit into a four, three defense. You really see his ability to read and react to plays, make his, presence felt on every single game all right I thought that there were times where Georgia had him blitzing he looked really good he was one of the best defensive players in coverage throughout the 2021 college season and then just when it comes to being a force in the running game he's just so fast so physical so I think you know with N'Kobe Dean you are getting the complete package at the linebacker position and his ability to go ahead and read and react to these plays just play so fast without thinking is how I like to kind of term it and describe a player such as N'Kobe Dean number two I've got Devin Lloyd from Utah he's been in college for I think four to five years now, but, you know, I think a really solid athlete has got pretty good quickness as well. It's interesting because when you watch Devin Lloyd from 2020 compared to 2021, I think the biggest aspect where he grew was just his ability as a linebacker that was in coverage. There were times where in 2020, he looked completely lost. 2021, he's continued to go ahead and really just grow in that area. And I think that that's a reason that he's high up and a lot of people's draft boards, you know, when you look at Devin Lloyd overall, I mean, there's times where I believe that um, 
Utah had him placed in some situations as a pass rusher too, but I just think that he's overall a really solid player. Is he a complete prospect like a Nicobe Dean? No. I think Nicobe Dean is certainly more physical when it comes to the run game as well as just as a hitter, but overall Lloyd's a solid prospect. Number three, I've got one from the Mountain West, Chad Muma. Now, when I look at Chad Muma, you're looking at someone who I believe is like six foot four, 240 pounds. So when you look at him, I think that he's a pretty good tackler. You know, he's not necessarily, I want to say, the greatest athlete at all, but there's enough there where he makes up for it with factors such as his football IQ, his tackling, his competitive toughness, which seems to be a common trait amongst all these mountain West linebackers. And then he's just really good when it comes to going ahead and shedding those blocks. And then I like how he versatile he is just in terms of being able to play in the different types of fronts too. Number four, I've got another Georgia linebacker, which is Quay Walker. So when you look at Quay Walker, you know, two things stick out regarding him, his athleticism, as well as just how rangy he is as a player, you know, sort of like Nicholas Morrow. If I'm going to kind of have a sort of intriguing player player to pro comparison here, but I think with Quay Walker, you know, he makes kind of himself known in the run game. He gets after the quarterback. Now, my big thing with Quay Walker is this, is that he didn't necessarily start a game until the 2020 season. So while he has basically two seasons of starting experience under his belt, how exactly is all that going to translate over to the next level? I think that just his lengthy frame, which is like six, five, I believe he uses that those long arms to kind of go ahead and get after a lot of these ball carriers. You know, there's times where he needs to let the game slow down, kind of come to him and just diagnose the play before it happens instead of just assuming and attacking without letting the entire play actually go ahead and develop. Um, Pretty solid run defender overall, too. And then number five is a player whose RAS charts, I'm sorry, relative athletic score from, I believe it's currently Platt's like a 9.99. I was scrolling through Twitter today and I saw that. But, you know, it's Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. I think one of the better linebackers in the Big Ten, really one of the faces of the Wisconsin Badgers defense. And I, quite frankly, let me say this, if the Bears were to take a linebacker, in round three I would not be mad if Leo Chanel was the pick there at all because I think when you look at Leo Chanel his physicality is just off the charts in terms of he's always willing to blow up ball carriers he's always running after ball carriers he's got such a high intensity motor that it seems like he's always on he's never necessarily slowing down I think that he is a pretty solid defender in zone coverage too, really good when it comes to going ahead and shedding blocks and then just I think that he can produce wherever you put him on the field so he is a player that I think is more complete of a linebacker than a lot of people are willing to admit but Ultimately, I think that, you know, Leo Chanel is one of those names that, like I said a moment ago, if the Bears took him, I would not necessarily be mad, even though linebackers not that high up on the list of needs for Chicago. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 
Yeah, we have a very similar top five here. So um, I'll say like our, our top three here is the exact same. So I got uh, Nicobe Dean out of Georgia as my number one, Devin Lloyd out of Utah as my number two, and Chad Muma out of Wyoming at number three. Now, I'll start with Dean here and kind of add on to what you said. I mean, he's one of the better athlete, athletes at the linebacker position in this class. Like you kind of mentioned, he's got very good sideline to sideline speed. He kind of reminds me a lot of Jeremiah Owusu Koromora out of Notre Dame from last year, who had a really nice rookie season with the Cleveland Browns as a second round pick. Um, Nicobe Dean, he's only one of two players in this class at linebacker that I would consider taking in the first round. Now, I wouldn't take these guys until like the late first round because I think both him um, and Devin Lloyd have pretty significant flaws in their game. For Dean, it's just the lack of size is a bit of concern. It, it is concerning for me when translating to the NFL. I don't think he'll have the ability. I know, he, you know, he's only like, what, 5'11", uh, 220, 225 pounds, you know, if, if he's lucky on a, on a on a good day of soaking wet. So he, he's a guy who's you know, a little bit small for the position. He, he's almost built like a throwback box safety in a way um, with how he's built. Um, but I mean, he's got really great instincts. He's got really good speed, really good closing speed to the ball. And when he gets, you know, to the ball carry, he, he hits you and uh, you, you feel him uh, on tape when he makes those hits on the ball carrier. So he's a physical player in that aspect of things playing in space. I really like his coverage potential because he's very quick um, and he's very agile and he can just change directions on a dime with relative ease um, in space against running backs and tight ends. I think he's going to be a huge asset to defenses as a coverage player in the run game is where I have questions though, because of that size, he, like you watch him on tape. Uh, he doesn't have the ability to take on blocks and shed at all. Like it, it, it's non-existent. And he was lucky enough playing at Georgia with that defensive front they have that he didn't have to do that a ton. He just got to play pretty much clean the entire time. And that really made things easy for him, um, relatively speaking, at the college level this past year, just because you have guys like Jordan Davis up front, uh, Devontae Wyatt up front, uh, Jalen Carter up front. Like they have all these dudes up front that are going to be first round picks. And they were just eating offensive lines alive. And it just made things super easy for Nicobe Dean and really all those linebackers there. And he certainly benefited from it, but I think he's a true playmaker at the second level of a defense. I think, uh, you know, he's going to be very scheme dependent and very role dependent as a player. Like you cannot have him playing um, that middle linebacker role or strong side linebacker role because he just doesn't have the ability to, uh, you know, play in the scrum there, take on blocks and whatnot. He has to play with some space. So I think he's your classic will outside linebacker, kind of like a hybrid will outside linebacker slot corner, I think kind of similar to what JOK played for the Browns last year, where, you know, he's not in the box a ton or, you know, strictly in the box between the tackles a ton. Um, you know, he's kind of playing in space. He can roam around. He can use his speed to go sideline to sideline and just rack up tackles on the perimeter where um, he can be used as a true asset in coverage as well. That's where I like N'Kobe Dean. You know, I'm a sucker for a young under for undersized, smaller, um, you know, fast athletic linebackers with coverage ability. And Dean kind of fits that role to a T to me. Now my number two guy, Devin Lloyd, um, I think you kind of nailed it here um, in terms of the fact that a little bit of a light bloomer here, but I think the flashes you saw and improvements you saw last year were, uh, really, really, uh, you know, promising for his NFL future. Now he's more of a complete linebacker, I think, than Nickelodeon Dean. He can kind of play in any role. And I think he's a bit of a Swiss Army knife with the way you can use him. Now it's kind of like similar to you know how Bill Belichick would use Jamie Collins back in the day on those Patriots defenses, where you know he's a very good blitzer um, off the edge and. Uh, in the middle of the defense right there, uh, lining up against centers and guards. You can do a ton of different things with him as a blitzer, but also he showed the enough, enough improvements as a coverage player this past year uh, to where you feel comfortable with him dropping back in zone or manning up against tight ends and running backs. He can do a bunch of different things for you there in the coverage aspect of things. Uh, really versatile player on the back end of the defense there or at the second level of the defense. Um, not as good of an athlete as Nakobe Dean, um, but I think he's probably the more, if you're looking for a day one impact guy uh, who can fit a bunch of different roles for you right away, I think Devin Lloyd's your guy as opposed to Nicobe Dean, who has to be put into a specific role in defense um, where you're hoping that his issues in the run game don't get exploited in the, at the NFL level. Now for number three, Chad Muma, um, 
you know, he's an interesting player because he kind of played as kind of that weak side linebacker role at Wyoming. So I'm not sure if he's a guy who can take on blocks at the next level either. Um, his arm length is kind of below average for um, his size profile, but I think he's a really good athlete. He can run sideline to sideline with the best of them. I thought he showed really good instincts in terms of, you know, making plays in the run game, getting to his spots to beat blockers to the spot. Um, good instincts in zone coverage as well. Uh, there's a lot to like about Chad Mumba. He is a little bit raw when compared to these other guys. Um, I have a late date. I have a late second round to early third round grade on him. I think that's a sweet spot for him at the next uh, in the draft when it comes to that. Um, and as it is the case for most of these guys, I'm going to mention here. I think there's a lot of good depth here in the third to fourth round of this draft at the linebacker position where you can get some good value on these guys. And Chad Mumba kind of fits that uh, pretty well, as does my number four guy here, and that's Leo Chanel. Uh, out of Wisconsin. Now he was kind of a late riser for me because, you know, I looked at his profile originally, um, you know, kind of came, he he kind of seemed to me to be early in the process as just this, you know, two down thumping linebacker, uh, you know, where he could take on blocks and shed at the line of scrimmage in the run game, make plays in the backfield, you know, just kind of be that old school throwback type of guy where, uh, you know, kind of similar to a Hunter Hillmeyer, for instance, for the Chicago Bears back in the day. Uh, where he plays that strong side role, takes on blocks line scrimmage, does all the dirty work and allows your other more athletic linebackers, such as at back in the day, Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, to make all the plays and flashy plays for you on defense. That's kind of what Leo Chanel came across to me early in the process. But then he just completely kills at the combine and has that, like you said, that nine, that nearly perfect relative athletic score. And you see that, okay, not only is this guy big, not only is this guy tough, not only is this guy physical, in the run game this guy is a great athlete as well and it, you know it's for me it didn't always show up on film especially in coverage I think that's where I still kind of get hung up on Leo Chanel as a prospect is that you know he is a great run defender uh, and he's a great tackler as well but the coverage aspect of things is just very I wouldn't say he's bad in coverage because there just isn't a ton of film there so he's a bit unproven in coverage as of this moment and while he has the athletic traits at least from his testing um, to be a solid coverage player at the next level at that linebacker position. I'm not sure um, whether it, it's a total projection right now, whether it's going to translate or not based off of his athletic profile. And certainly when I, what I saw at film on film, um, you know, he's a good athlete from what I saw on film. I'm not sure if he's an elite athlete that the testing numbers suggest though, when it, you know, when the pads go on and he actually has to go make plays with space um, didn't quite see that elite athleticism um, in full force there. As a run defender, you see it. In coverage, I think he's a bit hesitant at times. I think he's still learning the position and still working on getting those instincts up to speed to where he can start playing to that testing speed at the next level. And if he does, I think you have a fantastic three-down impact player as a linebacker position. But there's just a ton of question marks there in terms of whether that coverage ability will be there at the next level. And then my number five guys, I have the Georgia guys here, the other Georgia linebackers, uh, Quay Walker and Channing Tindall. Um, You know, Quay Walker, he's, you know, bigger, lengthier. He kind of fits that mold of that traditional Mike backer for you, that three down linebacker. Whereas Tindall is more of that super athletic undersized, but just flies all over the field type of linebacker for you. Both these guys, you know, are a little bit raw as players, Tyndall especially, but I mean, Channing Tyndall ran a 4-4-40 and a, had a 42-inch vertical at the scouting combine. So this guy is a freak athlete athlete um, for the position. So if you're just looking for upside, Tyndall is your guy. I think Quay Walker has a ton of upside as well. He's a little bit more ready to play early on just because that size factor. So um, I couldn't really decide between the two. They both offer different skill sets and different things that they bring to the table. So those two kind of tied for number five for me, but there are a ton of other guys in this class that I think kind of fit that same mold in that third or fourth round area, at least for me, where I think you could get good value on these guys. So you said, let's go to our sleepers. Now, some guys who didn't make our top fives, but we think could be good values later on in the draft. Uh, Who's your sleeper in this class at the linebacker position? Yeah. So my, biggest sleeper is actually going to be from Auburn. It's Jacoby McLean. I mean, you look at him, he's like, you know, 5'11", about six feet tall, right there on the borderline, about 210 pounds. Now, ultimately, I think when you look at Jacoby McLean, he's a pretty good athlete. He's rangy, you know, able to kind of get after 
through the ball carrier. I think is a really aggressive tackler. Ultimately, when you look at it, right, there are times where his size can really be such a major factor in terms of him just being able to kind of be an effective force when it comes to operating in the box. I think that, you know, he does not necessarily have the length to really shed a lot of those blocks. And he really doesn't have, you know, that much versatility. But overall, I think he reminds me a lot of Nick Kwiatkowski, okay? A player that's just going to play his butt off on every single play. And someone that I think can, with the right coaching, develop into a solid rotational linebacker. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, Sakomi McLean does have some traits to work with. I do like him as a day three kind of uh, dart throw. Another guy I'll throw in the mix here as my sleeper here is Troy Anderson out of Montana State. One of my favorite players in this entire draft to talk about here because his background journey to the NFL is it's 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 really unique. You never really see guys uh, with this type of background. So just to go through um, his time in college, like Anderson, who's a great athlete, he went to uh, – very small town he lived in uh in montana goes to montana state uh fcs school here you know he he originally went to school to be a wildcat quarterback and running back and he was actually a dominant player through the first couple of years of his career there as a running back and well and wildcat quarterback he actually i think he still has a school record for rushing yards for a career or at least a rushing yards in a single season rushing touchdowns all that stuff like uh this guy is just a ridiculous athlete you saw that the combine he was highest testing or fastest testing linebacker in terms of a 40 yard dash or in a 440 I believe uh just an insane athlete and so in 2019 they started to transition him over uh to the linebacker position he was kind of going back and forth between linebacker and running back still um you know playing both offense and defense 2020 obviously COVID happened so he didn't really get a full year there 2021 only committed to playing linebacker and he really shined like he, I thought you know watching him those past couple of years uh 2021 it seemed like every single game I watched going on and on in the season that he just got better and better and better and you know when you add the freakish athleticism that he brings to the table uh the fact that he's get he saw you know rapid development from him throughout the year really really promising stuff here I mean this guy you know, he's at six foot four, 235 pounds. He's got the length. He's got the size. He's obviously got that athletic profile and that versatility. You know, he's kind of like a, just a big ball of clay in terms of molding into the linebacker that you want. And obviously the instincts and the awareness and the understanding of everything that's needed to play linebacker at the next level, it's not going to be there for a little while just because you know, he's still just learning the position in general. He's new to playing that spot. So there's a lot for him to work on there to get to that next level. But, you know, you watch him on tape. He's very fast all over the all over the field. Uh, he has the ability to take on blocks because of his size. You know, he's physical at the tackling point. He's not afraid to, you know, really put throw his entire force into it there. And then, you know, if he doesn't quite work out at linebacker, at the very least, you have a guy who's going to be a great special teamer because, not only can he do all the cover stuff with his speed and his size and his tackling ability, but I mean, you can use him in a variety of different ways, you know, as kind of that jack of all trades um, 
guy where you know if you wanted to be maybe maybe experiment with him as a returner you can maybe try that uh, i'm sure he'd be fine going on the you know punt block team the kick kick block team all that type of stuff um and use his athleticism there and then on the offense you can do some creative things with him as well maybe use him in like a Taysom hill type of role where he's kind of that wildcat quarterback situational tight end and you just do a bunch of wacky stuff with him because uh this guy is really talented with the ball in his hands as a running back first of all and i i just really like everything that uh, Troy Anderson brings to the table here as a full package football player. I think he's a just a great all-around football player, a great all-around athlete, and I think he's one of the guys that you just bring into your team and you just figure it out from there. Whether it's playing that long-term linebacker, which I think he could be, a, you know, a starter at the next level. Whether it's being that wildcat guy, whether it's being there, whether it's being that special team stud for you. Uh, there's just a ton of intrigue there, Troy Anderson. And I'm excited to see where he goes because I think that's going to be the most important thing for him is where he lands and ends up is going to be very important for his development moving forward because if he goes to you know a situation where they're very strict about what they're looking for in a linebacker, they're not very creative with how they use their players, I think he could struggle and be a guy who's you know out of the league at the end of his rookie contract. But if he goes to the right spot where a team is willing to work with you know, him for a couple of years while he develops and is willing to use him a variety of different ways uh, just to use his athletic gifts, man, you can have a really fun player on your hands. And, you know, Anderson, I have a third round grade of him on him just as a linebacker, because I am so intrigued by his upside. Um, all the other stuff though, is just the icing on top of the cake for him, because uh, there's just a lot of fun stuff for him to do at the next level, I think. And that really just excites me for him as a prospect. Now, uh, we talked about some sleepers here. Let's get into our overhyped prospects for this draft. And I'll start with you. You said, uh, who's your overhyped prospect for this linebacker class here? Yeah, so it's actually going to be Alabama's Christian Harris. Now, Christian Harris, I think, is perhaps the most polarizing prospect in this year's draft class. And, and you know, typically the most polarizing prospects are quarterbacks, but I say one of the most polarizing because you look at him coming from Alabama and everyone looks at Alabama as a football factory, which it is. Well, guess what? They have not really sent a blue chip linebacker to the NFL over the last couple seasons. I think when you look at, you know, Christian Harris, I mean, there's a lot there that he has to work on. People label him this electric football player, but I saw issues with tackling. You know, I saw issues where there were times he just seemed you know, unwilling or even hesitant to attack the ball carrier. And then you look at just his play as overall from start to finish is I think as consistent as it gets, you know, the stats tell a different story where I think this past season, I mean, he had, I believe it was like 80 total tackles, 11 and a half tackles for a loss, five and a half sacks. So on paper, you would say, Oh, that's a highly productive junior who started in 15 games. But then ultimately you just look at Christian Harrison. I don't necessarily see anything there. That's worthy of being, pick before day three okay so I don't see him as a first second or third round pick you know when you look at Christian Harris overall I mean there are some good things to his game you see the versatility you see the leadership that's there okay but the big things that matter like bringing down ball carriers you know shedding those blocks um going ahead and just playing with consistency playing at a high order knowing when to attack a ball carrier when not to do so he just really struggles with and so that's the reason I think that the NFL is certainly lower on Christian Harris than draft Twitter seems to be you ready showtime on May 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, Christian Harris uh, just kind of strikes me as one of those guys where he tested very well at the scouting combine, obviously a great athlete coming from Alabama. And you, know, you just watch him. He just doesn't do anything particularly great on film. It just seems like um, he's average to below average at just about everything, but he's a great athlete. He went to Alabama. So 
you kind of have to consider him as a day two pick because of that. But I agree. I'm not as high on Christian Harris as many others as well. Um, I, I, I just did not get a sense of what he does that's going to translate to the next level and make him kind of that day one impact starter for you. I mean, obviously the athletic upside is there, um, but in terms of a day one impact guy, not someone I'm looking for either, which is what you want out of a day two pick and a linebacker outside of guys that just have that freaky upside that you're looking for. And another player that kind of fits that description for me as well is Brandon Smith out of Penn state. This is the classic case of a guy who's just a elite athlete, but just has no idea how to play. Like obviously Penn state, they do a great job of trading these, uh, these guys and defense and getting the most out of their athletic testing for all their NFL prospects. And Brandon Smith is no exception. He tested extremely well, both the combine and his pro day. Like, he is a great athlete, but I mean, there are just a ton of flaws here. Like the instincts and the abilities and coverage are almost non-existent when you watch him play. Like he just doesn't, he, he doesn't, you know, anticipate things. He's more of a reactive player um, for certain things. Like he doesn't, um, you know, see where plays are going, doesn't diagnose uh, where plays are going, he doesn't diagnose routes and then jump on them to make plays. You know, he's very average in terms of sticking with the running backs and tight ends and man coverage. You know, he's not the best there. Um, and then when he does get to the ball carrier, just way too many missed tackles and bad angles on tape. Like, um, there's just a ton of red flags of Brandon Smith about, you know, his ability to play linebacker at the next level. And he's probably going to go on day two because he does have that athletic upside and teams are going to be really intrigued about, you know, getting him into their system, coaching him up, seeing what NFL coaches can do to kind of get the most out of him. But, you know, at some point you have to factor in the fact that, you know, some of these guys just are great athletes playing football and not the other way around. Um, you know, you want a guy that's a great football player who just happens to be a great athlete. Like Nicole Dean is a great example. Great football player who just happens to be a really good athlete. I think Brandon Smith is a great athlete who doesn't quite fit the same, you know, role as a football player where he's just not a very good football player at the moment. Now, so the upside is there, but I mean, it's just a complete projection to the next level in terms of what he's going to be. And for, for that reason, I'm a little bit scared off by him because, you know, he has had a couple of years to develop here and we haven't seen the development. Whereas opposed to guys like uh, Chad Muma, you know, guys like Tindall and Clay Walker um, and even Troy Anderson, we saw development out of those guys in the limited time that they played and were you know, it, it is it is a lot of projecting, but you see where the traje trajectory is going. I do not see the traje traje trajectory with, you know, Brandon Smith here and, you know, Christian Harris, who we just mentioned earlier. So uh, those are our overhyped prospects. Now, when looking at this class as a whole, you said, um, now we have to talk about the major thing for the Bears here is what is the next step or what is the strategy for addressing linebacker? Because it is a key part really a cornerstone position for Matt Eberflus' defense. Like I said before, Roquan Smith going into the final year of his deal. Does this new regime want to pay him that massive extension that he's probably going to be looking for? You know, Nicholas Morrow brought in a one-year deal. They really have nobody else here um, that you're looking at as a long-term piece here. So linebacker certainly could be an option for the Bears in the draft. You know, what do you see being the strategy and mindset for this Bears regime you know, going into this draft at linebacker and ultimately what do you think they should do and ultimately will do to address this position when we get to the draft in just over a week here? Yeah, I would say this is that linebacker is not a significant need for the Bears, but it also would not hurt to add somebody. And, you know, when we talk about the draft, really, I don't want to see a line unless a blue chip. Well, I shouldn't even say blue chip prospect, but unless one of these linebackers continues to fall in the draft I don't think it's worth drafting one before day three which would include the fifth and sixth round for the Bears right now unless they trade back and get more draft capital and the reason that I say that more than anything is specifically because Roquan Smith and Nick Moore I think are going to be a great duo in 2022 and they're going to outplay 
and overperform when it comes to expectations. You could argue that the Bears need some depth, but then again, that's why Matt Eberflus went out and got his guy, Matt Adams, from the Indianapolis Colts. So ultimately, when we look at the linebacker position here, I mean, wouldn't hurt to add somebody if one of these guys continues to slip and, you know, you have a significant opportunity to upgrade the defense for the next couple of years and give Roquan Smith a long-term running mate on a cheap contract, you do it by all means. But then again, it's not that high of a priority. So if the board falls where it's like, oh yeah, you have an option between wide receiver, offensive line and linebacker, then you go wide receiver, offensive line a hundred times out of a hundred rather than going with linebacker. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I don't think this is a, this is a position that the Bears should be focusing on heavily in the draft. I think, you know, if they can find a guy on day three that kind of fits what they like in terms of having good length and athleticism and explosiveness and some traits to kind of translate to being maybe a coverage player for them, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a flyer on day three. But, you know, the prospect of taking a guy on day two just doesn't seem, you know, while there is good value there, certainly like we covered, you know, it doesn't seem wise at this point, given the needs that the Bears have. Like you mentioned, they have offensive line needs. They have wide receiver needs. You know, I'm sure, you know, there's some defensive line needs that they need to address. Like there are a ton of other directions they need, they could go here. And only three picks to address them on day on day two. So those are going to be very valuable picks for them in terms of the fact that they need to nail those picks and get, you know, quality starters at key positions for them. And right now, linebacker, while, you know, it could be seen as a key position for Eberflus's defense. You know, right now you have two guys that can fill those role for, roles for you pretty well with Roquan Smith, who's probably one of the top 10 linebackers in the game right now. And I think he's going to be a nice fit here for Eberflus's scheme. And Nicholas Morrow, who another young athletic guy who kind of fits what Eberflus is looking for in terms of being that aggressive, versatile coverage backer at the second level of the defense. So you have a couple guys there that can fill that role. I think at the end of the day, waiting till day three and just taking a guy with some athletic traits to build off of is kind of the wise thing to do. You know, maybe if they trade back in the second round, pick up an extra fourth round pick. Let's say a guy like Troy Anderson somehow falls out of day two of the draft and he's there for you in the fourth round. Like, I think that's the type of move that you, I would certainly take 10 times out of 10 because I see the developmental upside there. I see what, you know, they're looking for in terms of he kind of fits that versatile, you know, mindset of, uh, just doing everything to help the team win type of thing that I think the Bears are kind of looking for here in this first year of a rebuild. So, you know, ultimately, will that happen? I don't know, because, you know, the third round, I think, is <laughs> there are a ton of good values that are going to be there at linebacker in the third round of this draft. I think it, it kind of concerns me that the Bears, you know, with Iberfos being a defensive-minded head coach and wanting to establish his defense here, you know, my biggest fear is they end up going that defensive route on day two um, where, you know, they address offensive line maybe in the second round and then get that linebacker in for Iberfus defense in the third round there where, you know, maybe a guy like Chad Muma is there, Alio Chanel is there, um, the George guys outside of Nicobe Dean end up falling to that third round. Uh, certainly a lot of options that are going to be there and some guys that we haven't even mentioned yet that could be in that range as well. There's just a, a ton of linebackers in this class, like Brian Asamoa out of Oklahoma is another example of that athletic uh, second-level linebacker, kind of that coverage guy. So yeah, a lot of, you know, players in that general vicinity that the Bears could go. Ultimately, you know, I do think they end up going a different direction, but it would not surprise me if they do end up spending a third-round pick at linebacker because of just the fact that it is an important part for Iberflu's defense. And his background is – in coaching up linebackers. So that is important to keep in mind. This guy is a linebackers coach originally by trade here. So um, he was there in Dallas when they were developing Jalen Smith um, and, you know, Sean Lee back in the day. So this guy knows linebackers. And I think, you know, if he sees a guy that he really likes on day two, it wouldn't surprise me all they go in that direction, certainly. Although I, I, I would disagree with that direction to say the least. So uh, with that said, I think that's going to be a good point to wrap it up for today's podcast today. Uh, make sure to keep an eye out, Bears fans, for our next couple of episodes, breaking down these prospects and finishing those up before the start of the 2022 NFL draft. Our next one in the works is uh, breaking down the safety position before we work on 
tight ends to finish things out for our prospect previews and then get you guys our last final mock draft for this uh, 2022 NFL draft before getting into the official start of the draft uh, next Thursday. Um, but before we get into all the details there, if you're a fan of this podcast, make sure to like, rate, subscribe, and review our podcast on all podcasting fl- platforms. Make sure to follow us on social media, especially on Twitter, at our Twitter account, at Picks for Polls, where we get all of our updates there. And especially with this draft coming up and next weekend, especially, it's going to be very busy uh, getting stuff out for uh, the draft there. So uh, make sure to keep an eye out for that, Bears fans. Make sure to uh, follow us there. You said, as for you, where can Bears fans and our listeners follow you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Cultural. Check out my work on the Bear Report as well. I'm going to have something up on Travis Gibson today because he spoke to the media. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to check that out. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. Uh, make sure to follow me there if you want to see more uh, my thoughts on the sport and just follow my work in general. You can find myself at the Bear Report. As we get closer to the NFL draft year over this next week, I'm going to be full focus on the draft in terms of what I'm posting out there. So keep an eye out for a couple mock drafts I have in the works. I have a two-round mock draft in the works for every single NFL team. So doing a full two-round mock draft, including trades. Um, I have a surprise trade um, that it will be a little bit, bit of a blockbuster for you guys to check out there for uh, that mock draft. So make sure to check that out when that eventually drops. And then I have one more mock draft that I'm doing for the Chicago Bears specifically um, where I'm going to be doing some trades for that as well. So make sure to keep an eye out for that mock draft coming up. And then for next weekend, uh, obviously you're going to be having a ton come out for that as well. And make sure to follow us and subscribe on our Bear Report YouTube channel as well. We do have some stuff planned, hopefully for uh, the draft when it comes to the YouTube channel at the Bear Report, uh, as, as well as me and Zach having some film room stuff, breaking down some Bears free agency signings, uh, as well as draft, uh, looking at some of the guys that the Bears will end up drafting over next weekend. Um, that's going to be a stuff that we're going to be doing a lot of over the next month or so following the draft. So uh, make sure to subscribe in the Bearport YouTube channel. It really goes a long way to helping to build up what we're trying to do there to get some more Bears film content out there for you guys. So uh, with that said, once again, I want to thank all of our Bears listeners for tuning in today. Um, really looking forward to the next couple of episodes here. It, it's really wrapping up here as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft, but I wouldn't have it any other way. The anticipation is rising. I'm really looking forward to it. But before we get to that point, Bears fans, uh, continue to take this day by day and bear down.